This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners. I want to take a minute to let you know all about a brand new contest put on by my friend, Bello Cipriani, who you heard in episode 114 telling us all about queerness, blindness, and disability. Well, he started a publishing company a while back called Ola Books, and they are committed to amplifying the stories of disabled writers. This year, in partnership with Pen to Paper, an international creative writing competition with the Coalition of Texans with Disabilities, Oleb Books has announced a new award for disabled writers, the Oleb Books Personal Essay Award. For this inaugural award, the team has chosen the theme of disabled parents. Now, I know there are so many disabled parents out there with something to say and a story to tell. What are the challenges of being disabled and raising a kid? What is disabled pregnancy like? Could you be a disabled mom or dad, or neither, or both? And so much more. Winners of this contest will receive $50 and have their essay featured in an anthology published by Oleb Books and be part of a big national marketing campaign. You can enter the contest by heading over to olebbooks.com contests or you can click on the link in the show notes of today's episode of Disability After Dark. Thanks, friends! Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza Shining a bright light on sex and disability Content Warning The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Well, hello there, Disability After Dark listeners, and thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of the show that I'm so excited to bring you. This is episode 128, and that's freaking awesome, so thanks for being here, and get comfy, cozy, and crippled. Let's get this show started. First things first, I know all you audiophiles are going to be like, why does Andrew sound so echoey right now? Why does he sound really echoey? It's because... I don't have the mic directly up to my mouth because it's super hard and not accessible right now because I record the intros and outros separately from when I actually do the show. So if it sounds weird from what the interview you're going to hear today, that's why. But I think it sounds okay. I listen to the levels. They sound alright. They don't sound too bad. Um, but if you're if you're like audiophile brains are freaking out, that's probably why. But um, I've had a crazy couple weeks. I launched... A viral hashtag that's gone all over the world and has kind of changed the game for me. Hashtag disabled people are hot is a thing that's traveled all over to the BBC in London. That's been on London late night talk shows. They've talked about it. My picture with my naked body has been all over TV and all over social media. And I think it's great. I'm so excited. I never expected this to go the way it's gone, and I love people that are posting. So if you're listening to the show and you're a long-time listener to the show, I'm going to incorporate Disabled People Are Hot 
at some point in the show, I'm going to say, like, at the end or the beginning, disabled people are hot, thanks for being hot, or something, just to keep the brand alive. And if you're listening and you want to post a picture, follow me on Twitter, Andrew Gerza, and you can just post a picture using the hashtag, disabled people are hot, showing me why you are disabled and what makes you feel hot. And that's literally all it's for. It's for us to be seen and to have... (laughs) to have agency over our bodies, and so I want to I wanna celebrate that with you. So let's do that. Let's keep it alive. I also just got back from doing a, a lecture series with, with some people in San Diego. I was at San Diego State U last week talking to uh, the San Diego State student body with sex educators around sex and disability like Kirsten Schultz from the Chronic Sex brand and Chronic Sex podcast. They are absolutely amazing, and I finally met them in person. I also sat down with Robin Wilson Beattie, who I've been admiring forever, who does the Sex Abled brand on Twitter. It was so cool to be in San Diego. But I gotta say, if you're listening and you're from San Diego, what the fuck is the deal with your transit out there? Getting around was so hard. They had no proper disability cabs and, and disability paratransit. You had to book days and days in advance. You couldn't just up and go, which I f- thought was really hard because I live in a snowy part of the world. And I thought going to California, I could just up and go, and I couldn't do that here. So that was weird. But I went with my mom for two day- for four days, and we like bummed around. We had a good time. It was fun. So I would love to come and bring Disabled People Are Hot, Disability After Dark, all my stuff to you. If you're listening and you're in a position to bring me out to you, I'd love to bring this brand to you in person. But enough shameless plugging, enough rambling on. I'm going to get to the show. Let's get started. On Disability After Dark, I am shining a bright light on a new friend of mine. I stumbled on her across the internet. I'm not sure how we bummed into each other, but again, thank God for Disability Twitter. Uh, We started talking about how the fact that they are a nurse with EDS, and I just said, hey, do you want to come on my podcast and chat? We didn't know each other at all. I just said, come on the show, let's talk. And what they brought me was a really important conversation about being a nurse in a hospital in a major ER department and living with EDS, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Um, a really, really critical conversation about that and talking about what it's really like. She also sheds light on what nurses learn about sex and disability from healthcare training, and as you'll hear, it's not a lot. From there, we kind of go into a really funny, honest conversation about trying to be in a polyamorous polyquad with her husband, her boyfriend, and her husband, her boyfriend's girlfriend, boyfriend's wife. Um, but so we talk about being in a polyquad with with. EDS and what that's like, and she comes up with some hilarious stories, and we have a good laugh. I really, really enjoyed this interview. Ryan was a gem to talk to and so much fun. This was just a really fun one, and I'm glad you could hear it. Enjoy my interview with Ryan Kress right here on Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. Ryan Kress, welcome to Disability After Dark. Hello. Hello. I'm so happy you're here. I, again, as I do with most of my guests these days, stumbled through, stumbled on you through 
social media. I'm not sure which post put us together, but somehow there it is. Yeah, I don't know. I I know I found you because I was working late in the ER (laughs) going through podcasts because I didn't have any patience. Oh, nice. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that my podcast could get you through some... Some some dead ER moments, which we ne- like. Usually, we never hear the ER being dead, but it, I know it happens. I've seen it on hospital rooms happen that way, but mm-hmm. never realized. Mm-hmm. Um, so, before I launch into all the questions I have for you, because I have many, and there are stories I'm going to tell <laughs> that I'm so ready for. Um, why don't you introduce yourself and give us your pronouns and tell us kind of what your disability is or what your lived experience of like chronic illness is, and we'll go from there. Hey, I'm Ryan. Um, I am ooh, 27. I just had a birthday. I could remember. Um, and I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Um, obviously born with that. Um, and I have a bunch of comorbidities that come with it. Um, because each patient with EDS is kind of very different. Uh, mine mainly affects my joints. Um, I walk with forearm crutches. I have a wheelchair. Soon to have a better wheelchair. <laughs> I wear There's, a lot of braces. I know. Wheeling wheelchairs are so hard. Getting good chairs is Gosh, the worst. I'm waiting for mine now, and they've given me, like, this loner chair. And so I took it out at the grocery store. I was like, oh, this will be fine. And it's just, like, a cheesy little transport chair. Yeah. Um, I was like, ah, it'll get me through. And I go, and I sit in I'm at the grocery store, and I quickly realize that one of the wheels is not tightened. So when you go to turn, oh no, it just keeps slipping. It like spins everywhere, and you're like, I'm gonna yeah, go in circles. And I'm like, what is happening? And so I'm trying to get out of the like front doors of the grocery store, and I'm trying to turn to my car, and I, it just keeps turning. So I end up just like going into traffic. I'm like, oh Help no, <laughs> this is it. Yeah. This is how I go. I'm trying to get home. Just like, this store. is the end. This is my. Th- oh god, this is how I die. Um, but yeah. You know what's scary? Um, How many disabled people probably have thought that when they're trying to do everyday things because of inaccessibility? Yeah, totally. Seriously. Yeah, the first time I took my forearm crutches down a set of stairs. Oh, that was, wow. That feels yeah. like that feels like a bad choice. That feels like a bad life moment uh, for you. Bad life moment. Yeah. It was bad. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, no. So you have EDS. Welcome. You're like the seventh or eighth guest that has it because I feel like a lot of people who talk about sex and disability seem to come to me and be like, I have EDS. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was listening to, um, I think it was with Carolyn Gehrig that you were talking um, on that post where she was talking about how it was EDS is like such an easily sexualized disability. Yeah. Because he's like, just like, oh my gosh, you're so stretchy. And they're like, and you're like, no, no. it's totally not like that. Like, yes, technically, yes. But like in theory, yeah, theoretically, technically, sure. But also, my body is a thing that hurts, and like, don't do that. Um, so one of the cool things, and one, the thing that kind of sparked my interest in talking to you, like, that's why I was like, let's talk right away, because I was like so <laughs> into like what you on the form. The very first thing you said was, "So I'm a nurse with EDS, and so we could we could totally talk about that." And I was like, "Yes, we can." And <laughs> like, I I was piqued because like. You know, disabled people have a tenuous relationship with the medical field because of rehab, of curative, the way curative medicine and the way, like, ableism is totally rampant within medical fields and the way they treat us. And so when you said you were a nurse, my first thought was like, what the fuck is it like to work as a nurse in a hospital 
and like I didn't realize you were in the ER department, but now I know like to work in the well, one of the busiest departments of a hospital as a nurse with disabilities, like break it down. So I actually became a nurse because of my EDS, but not like, oh, I'm a sick person. Like I need to, we didn't know I had EDS and I kept hurting myself and I was constantly in, in the ER. So my mom was like, if you're going to like continue doing this, you might as well like be, be the one pushing the stretcher. So I, when I was in high school, I became an EMT. And so I'd gotten like that fill of, um, you know, the hospital and everything and kind of realized that I, you know, I kind of like this. I went away to college and actually didn't study nursing, didn't study medicine, studied human sexuality of all things. How, how ironic <laughs> and, that you're now on a, on a human sexuality podcast talking about EDS yeah. and se- like, wow. My two favorite things. I'm glad that we could be um, together. Yeah. Um, so after I graduated with that degree and quickly realized that a degree in sex does not exactly pay the bills. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it can if you're like spouting white feminism all the time and being super yeah. like, yeah, and this is not the only way that works and it totally can. But if you're like intersectional and trying to do things with it, yeah, it doesn't get you anywhere. Uh-huh. It's just very frustrating. Yeah. So I like moved back home. I was like, you know what? I got to miss you know, pushing the stretcher, I kind of miss that hands-on clinical side of things. And back then, like, my disability wasn't that bad. Um, I had a few joints that would pop out. So my shoulders were very loose. Um, I didn't have any issues with balance or feigning or anything like that that I have now. Um, so I went to nursing school um, and graduated and went straight to the ER. Wow. Um, and yes. And I've been an ER nurse ever since until a month ago because I, my disability has gotten so bad I have to leave the ER. Which oh, is, my is that so, so like that's, that's a rough change for you, yeah. having to like change <laughs> career tracks because your body's like, nope. Yeah, it was a big, like I, I was like, they'd make fun of me when I was like getting ready for work because I'd have to like put all my finger splints on and like wrap up my knees and put on my ankle braces and wear my compression stockings and like. I was working, I had downsized to a small freestanding ER, so we weren't connected to a hospital. Um, we were just out by ourselves, and it had handrails again around the entire perimeter, and it was only eight beds, so it's very small. Yeah. And I knew all the handholds, so I could get by. Like, if a hip gave out, I'd be like, okay, I got the head. What are you uh, doing? I'm right I got this. What's up? Well, because I guess you, know, you don't want the patients to see, like, my nurse's hips went out. What's going on? Like, yeah, that's like the last thing you want. Is like, what is that? My nurse like falling on the floor. Like, yeah, why is she? Why is her shoulder dislocated? What's uh, going? Like, what is what is happening? And I, I wasn't allowed to use any of my mobility aids, like on the floor, because that's a hazard. Yeah, like I'm a, I'm a liability, and so I would like hide it and be like, no, I don't need them. It's fine. I'm good. I'm walking. <laughs> this is this is good. Like my other coworkers kept like covering for me, and they'd be like, no, we got the, we can do this patient. Oh, like you don't have to do the CPR this time. Like you can push beds. <laughs> but I mean, that's so, like it's so telling of how the hospital is the one place where a disabled person, whether they're a nurse or a patient or a doctor or whatever they are, should be able to be like, yeah. I am a nurse with a disability, and yes, I do need this walker to do this, but I can still get this person the care they need. Like, fuck off. Let me show you that I can do it. Like, it's so frustrating because that's the one place where when I am not in the hospital and I, and I have had to go, your, your ableist brain goes, if I go there, I'll be safe because they'll have everything for me and it'll be fine. The minute you get in there, you're like, 
Oh, actually, I was so wrong about that. Oops. Oh, yeah. Like, my, the ER I was working in, I, like, started to kind of take mental tally of everything that was so ableist about it. Like, it's an ER that doesn't even have a lift. Oh, yeah. That's like my... That's, like my, <laughs> that's, that's, that's I am supposed to go to, a, to a, a sleep study here in Toronto that they've been trying to get me to do now literally for a year. My doctor's bit, my doctor last December was like, Andrew, would you go for a sleep study? And I said, oh yeah, sure, no problem. How do we do this? And so I phoned the hospital and I was like, okay, I'm like, I'm, I want to book it. Like I got the referral, here it is. And they were like, great, do you have any needs you should know about? And I said, well, you should know that I have a disability and I'm also catheterized and I need certain things. And will somebody be available during this eight hour sleep study or like whatever it is to help me with that? And they were like, yeah, no. And I was like, no. What do you mean no? And they were like, we, they're like, we don't have nurses in the in the sleep study room. And I was like, so wait a minute, if anything critical happened to me in the hospital, you're telling me that they would not bring a nurse or a doctor to my sleep study room? And they were like, no. And I was like, so what you're telling me is that I, because I can't self catheterize, you won't help me. And they were like, no. And I, so I said like, okay. Let me find somebody. So it took me a few months, and I found a friend that was willing to, like, come to the hospital with me and stay. And I was like, look, let me pay you a couple hundred bucks, and, like, thanks for being a good friend. And yeah. give me up your night to stay in this shitty hospital with me. Thanks. Like, <laughs> let me, let me pay you <laughs> for that. So I figured it out, and then she was going to come down. And the day she came down, or was coming down, they called me and said, we don't have a higher lift. And I said, cool, you're the hospital. What do you mean? And they were like, why didn't you tell us on the day of your booking? And I said, I did. But I also, yeah. like, I also assumed because you're a hospital, you would have figured that out. And they were like, oh, that means we have to get another tech in and no one's available. And I was like, you don't need a tech. That's what my attendant is for. You just need to give mm -hmm. me permission to have her there and let us. And they were like, no, no, we can't. And I was like, are you? So how am I going to get the sleep study? Because they were, they were like, you need the sleep study because you might have apnea and then apnea can lead to like stopping breathing and death. And I was like, so great. So like if I have apnea and they are trying to tell me that I need a CPAP machine, how are they going to test for that? If I can't get the, the, the study and all of them were like, Oh, we, we don't know. And I was like, great. So yeah. what do I do? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm blown away daily. Just, the new things that I'm finding out. Now I'm working at a bigger hospital and I am one of two, I think, on record, like openly disabled employees of this hospital. And this is a huge hospital. So there are a lot of people that are just not saying that they are yeah. disclosing, which is fine. Um, but they don't have anywhere for disabled employees to park come in on, my hospital. Come on. In the hospital, they don't have, a, they don't have disability nope. employee parking? Nope. At a hospital? No, no. So, like, when I come in, there are never any spots. I'm like, I feel so bad because oftentimes I'm, like, having to park in the oncology spots because that's, like, the closest to the door that I can get. It's also almost handicapped. And so every morning I'm like, yep, I had to take another cancer patient's parking spot this morning. This is oh, good. God. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, like, you should start a, a secret Twitter account of, like, I am a disabled employee at this hospital and here's why it's... Mm -hmm. here's like, why it's here, Suck. This is yeah, all like, the reasons. Tweet, tweet, send, send, like. Yeah. But you it's know, be because you have EDS and you're a nurse, like, does this, does this, does the fact that you have such a such a 
and I'm going to use the term controversial, and I only use the term because, like, the way I, of course, I believe it, but the way doctors treat it is, like, it's not a thing that exists. So because you have such a controversial diagnosis and you're in the hospital as a nurse, does this help your... Because I, f- I find in my experience of care with nurses, as a disabled person, their bedside manner around disability is tends to be crap. And I'm not... <laughs> so I'm curious, like, for you as a nurse, does this diagnosis help, like, to influence how you deal with patients who are like, oh, my disability feels like this today. Like, well, you don't have to tell them. You can also, like, you can understand, though, when they're having a rough disability moment in the hospital with craptacular staff, you can kind of mm-hmm. be like, yeah, I, f- I can't, maybe you can't say anything, but I can, I can feel, I can empathize. Definitely. And I'm lucky because working in the ER, that's kind of a place where I don't have to do as much of like, this is my nurse face. Like I can be a little bit more down to earth with my patients and be like, look, I know what you're going to do. That bitch that was just in here, ignore her. She's always like this. (laughs) Like, I got you. (laughs) We're going to be all right. We're going to get through this together. But it's also very interesting for me working in the ER because it's a place where you do get such burnout and such fatigue because you're constantly faced with these patients that are just lying about their disabilities or lying about their diagnoses just to get pain medication. Or, you know, you get these drug seekers day day in, day out, or these people who are abusing the system, especially because I work in a very very rural area. And so there's a lot of drug use, um, a lot of just domestic abuse kind of situations. And so you get very fed up with these kind of patients that come in that when you actually have a patient that, you know, has a disability and needs your help, it's hard for a lot of nurses to kind of transition. And I would often like catch myself with a patient that would come in. We always make jokes about like with the, the pain scale, I'm sure you're familiar on a zero to 10 scale. How bad is your pain? And you have patients that say my pain is a 10 and they're texting. Well, like that in the ER world, it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm calling you out for that. But if you live in this world of your baseline pain is around a six, you know, a 10 is not going to be that much higher. You might be able to be on your cell phone. And like my joke, I always tell my patients that, you know, kind of respond that way. I'm like, you got to save that 10. You don't want to know what that 10 feels like. Like you got to save it <laughs> so yeah. that you're believed. But I can't, I would catch myself and be like, Oh, you know, it's complete bullshit patient again saying their pain is a 10. And then I'm like, wait a second. Like I was in PT yesterday making jokes when my pain was an eight. Cause my, both my hips had dislocated the day before. Like, so who am I to say? Yeah. So it's very, it's a good system of like checks and balances and it like keeps you humble and be like, oh wait, I was just the patient this morning and shut up. And so like, that's gotta be stressful for you too. Like, how do you transition from today you're a nurse, today I am the one that's gonna, that's leading all the stuff and I am the one that's gonna like fix this person problem and then the next day you're in PT with your own EDS being like, fuck you hips, like shit. So like, how do you, how, how do you transition? Like, can you transition or do you? It's almost like living a triple life of like, you're, you're Ryan and then you're Ryan the nurse and then you're Ryan the patient. Like, how the fuck do you manage all those things? It's very, very difficult. And a lot of times not well, (laughs) honestly, just not. Um, I was in, um, I always have to like, I was going to say I was in therapy, but I always have to distinguish, like, I was in brain therapy, not physical therapy. Awesome. (laughs) And and with um, my psychologist, and we were talking about things, and she was um, 
talking about the way I portray myself and the way that I go about, you know, talking about my disability and everything. And she was like, you know, your doctors aren't going to believe your need for mobility aids or your need for bracing or your need for whatever, because you don't appear in pain because the way you carry yourself every day, you're, you're constantly sarcastic. You're constantly making jokes. And I'm like, if, if I acted the way I felt every day, yeah, yeah, no one would want to deal with any of this. Yeah, like people don't realize so, when you make a joke or when like like I do the same thing when it comes to sex and disability and dudes is use dicks I want to suck. I make a joke first yeah. because I want to make sure you're comfortable. When inside, I'm like I don't want to make this joke. I want to make sure you're okay, <laughs> but I have to make a joke because I need to make sure I need to like check on you. And yeah, people don't realize that like when you're in even when I, when I've been in pain too. When you when you're in pain. Humor is the only way you get through sometimes. Otherwise, it's mm-hmm. like, no. Yeah, and that's my, like, go-to coping mechanism is, like, sarcasm and humor. And it's very hard to, you know, take a step back and be, like, be, like, take down that wall and be, like, no, I am hurting today. I am in pain. This is why. And so that's, like, like as a – when I did have to finally leave the emergency room, um, so I've had to leave jobs several times for – EDS and kind of stepped down. I was a manager in a big ER, bigger ER. Um, I had to move to day shift because my doctors didn't want me on night shift for that and um, ended up moving several jobs doing the same thing, downsizing each time until finally having to take the step to leave the ER completely. And each time, except for the last one, my doc, like my boss, bosses are all like, well, you seem fine. You don't need, like, why are you doing this? You're just doing this because you want better money or whatever they've made up and yeah well, maybe um, you do because disability is fucking yeah expensive. right like maybe you do need better money because just being disabled yeah. is costly <laughs> can you understand my stack of medical bills at all like this yeah is like... <laughs> um but yeah so um my last boss the only reason he like i mean he's seen me obviously walking with my crutches so that's a little bit more obvious but he had seen me fall at work several times and he was just like oh okay yeah no like that's that's fine. Like we understand that. So, but you know, in order to maintain that kind of control over that chaotic environment of the ER, showing that disability and showing that, you know, I do need help. I do need this and this. It was like, I, I could, wouldn't let myself do that. Cause then who's going to believe me to take charge of this, like gunshot wound trauma victim yeah, that comes in. If I'm in pain all the time, no one's going to believe that like, I can. Yeah. Uh, I'm wobbling around with my duck walk and my hips are dislocated <laughs> yeah like and i say duck walk because that's literally what you put in the form so that's why i like duck walk yeah so but like it's so and also because you and i think too because of the way you like i'm looking at how you present yourself i can see how somebody who's not kind of versed in what pain feels like and looks like because you look like you're a badass and i, I mean I, I love your aesthetic but because you look like you're a badass i can see how like an uneducated person in disability and most doctors as we know are kind and nice and no stuff but they tend to not know anything about disability so like i can see i i'm just picturing all these white southern doctors being like ryan mm-hmm. why are you fine like what's what like is that a yeah, correct assumption oh yeah completely completely i've like I, I enjoy working in the er because the nurses work kind of one-on-one with your physicians yeah. and so you know i've had this my entire life so obviously they'll see me do something weird stretch something strange take some weird pill and the doctors are always very curious they're like oh what's wrong with you i tell them and 
we, it always ends up in like a mini lesson. And so one day we actually sat down on the nurse's station and they invited a lot of other colleagues in and they're like, you know what, Ehlers-Danlos is not something that we are taught on in, in medical school. Like it's the blurb in a textbook. That's all we get. We don't yeah. know how to treat it. We don't know what com- comorbidities it comes with. And so I got to like, like, okay, here, this is, this well, is what this looks like. These are the things to look for. Yeah. I mean, your next, they don't know. They don't know. I mean, your next job could be like, get out of the, I know, I know it sounds like you, it sounds like you're a bit of a trauma junkie. That's what it sounds like. Uh, just a touch, just a little bit. But like, if, if you, like what I say to people with disabilities is if you need work, make your disability work for you. Like that's what I've done. And that's like, it's brought me so much money. Well, not so much money, but, but enough that I can like, <laughs> I'm still yeah. covered by the state. Thank goodness. But like, I'm, it's brought me a sense of agency of like, I can now go out and say, yeah, I'll charge you a thousand bucks an hour for a talk to, to give you my lived experience. So, I mean, there is an option for you. You could definitely go to a bunch of, of nursing colleges around the country and be like, hey, you don't know about this? Guess what? I did what you did. And then now I'm going to tell you my story yeah. for an hour and now fucking pay me. Thanks, bye. Like, <laughs> I know. I'm working on doing just that, actually, trying to set things up with the local nursing schools just because when I was in nursing school I remember we were watching they pulled up a video of a circus performer with hypermobility syndrome and I was like hey I have that can I come up to the like can I talk yeah and so like they like called me to the front of the class and I ended up like sitting on the table and doing my party tricks I'm not supposed to do like putting my feet behind my head and be like this is what this looks like (laughs) Imagine doing but, that and walking out with like a, like a check at the end. Be like, thanks, bye. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, what's the best? But like, <laughs> I just think there's an opportunity. Like, if if for instance your EDS gets worse and you like want to brand that, there's a total way to do that. And I think, like, I just think given how, given what limited knowledge nurses and doctors and hospitals have about real life disability and what that really feels like. There's an opportunity there, and I would highly recommend you, like, monetize the shit out of that. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well get some money for this, yeah, you know? Yeah, get some bank for all this pain you're going to deal with. Um, yeah. Um, so I love how in your questionnaire you were like, nothing's off limits. And the next couple of things you sent me are, the, like, so funny. I don't even know where to begin about all the things that I want to about. Okay. <laughs> so, so, um... So the the first one is like, how do you how before I get into the really dirty stuff because there's, <laughs> how do you like so as a polyamorous queer disabled nurse, um how do you like how does, how does poly and disability play into all this stuff like how does, poly how does poly complement or not complement EDS, um, so. <laughs> It definitely compliments because, so I live, I have a, I live in a polyamorous quad. Um, it is an interesting dynamic because I am married um, and my husband is dating my boyfriend's wife. Awesome. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like a big circle of love. It is. So they have all four of us, and it's been. I've been fortunate enough that um, we've all kind of been in our little. We call ourselves the square. It's very adorable and nauseating. I know. It's so weird, <laughs> but I'm so there for it. Yes. <laughs> um, 
but I've been very fortunate because I have these extra people that I do live with um, that have kind of been there. So this just this past year, um, my hips have always been my biggest issue, uh, my hips and my shoulders. And my hips have gone from just being loose to every time I put weight on my left leg, my hip dislocates. Um, yeah. My face just went, oh, because I have CP and like, if my hip dislocated, the world would end, and it would be... Uh, so when people with EDS tell me that they can just dislocate their things, my body goes, what? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's pretty. So that started... Probably started last February. Yeah. Um, and so we've all been together for about two years now, and so they've been there throughout that entire process of me suddenly walking, going from walking, being completely ambulatory to going walking with a cane and then forearm crutches and now the wheelchair and um, having to put up um, different safety bars in our home and kind of all doing these things. Um, We live in a two level home um, with quite a few stairs um, from the street. It's pretty there. It looks like it's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, have like going through me falling down those stairs many times. I have oh. you know three extra sets of eyes to come like <laughs> check sa- on me. Yeah, to come save you from like the possibilities of oh no, Ryan fell out. What do we do? Um, there's always. I mean, it's kind of like if you think about living in a big family. Like there's always somebody around that's gonna can help me if I need someone to go to a doctor's appointment. Somebody always volunteers, um, and they all know all of my plethora of medical conditions so if we're like out and about and all of a sudden I just like sit down and get quiet like one of them is going to be like oh lord hold on okay. that's the joke is that's how they know something's wrong with me is because I've stopped talking <laughs> that's like <laughs> no. me too if like I'm really sick or something's really wrong I will not there's no more jokes nothing's funny anymore I get this fixed right away <laughs> like oh god so it's been it's been really great um now it's been very interesting on the medical side of things um, because, like, going in uh, for surgeries, for example, and you know they ask you your emergency contacts, and I list two spouses. They're like, wait, what? Yeah, they're like, no. um, <laughs> who? Or like, um, I had shoulder surgery this past May, and they like, like, okay, family can come back, and like, all three of them stand up. They're like, all of us, all, all of us. Her team is and ready. I, We're gonna. Yep. <laughs> I was like high on anesthesia, and I um, I remember this vaguely. Then they were taking me out to the car, and like everybody's with me, and they're helping me get in the car. But the nurse is pushing me, and there's like a tech helping me get up, and um, we're kind of like making small talk as we go down. I'm like, yeah, this is my polyamorous family. She's married to him, and I'm married to him, and then I'm married to him, and it's just all of us together. And the nurse is just like, okay, uh huh, you're so, all right. Those drugs are really great. Good for you. Like, yeah. So yeah, and then add to that, I live in the South in a very, very Christian, very white, very conservative area. So I'm picturing everyone that voted for Trump where you live. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> Oh, I was working in my old ER the day he got elected, and I was just like, I grew up in a super liberal house of hippies, so I, I was just like, no, there's no way anyone's like in favor of this. And suddenly, everyone around me got really excited, and I was just like, oh, no. <gasps> oh what is this? No, no, this, this is horrible. <laughs> I was like, I gotta go hide in my corner. Like, like oh, no, look, no, wow. <laughs> 
So like, oh. also because you're from, you know, because you're in a very like conservative part of of the states, like I can imagine being disabled is not something we applaud. It's something we try to snap out. Yeah, there's a bit of that, um, you know, I'm a southern woman. I'm supposed to be very quiet and be very, yeah, you know, be very proper and, and very, like, you're not supposed to fall down and have your hips dislocate as, yeah. No. It's not a thing you do. Two strapping gentlemen escorting me everywhere, having me walk. Like, that's not, it's <laughs> not I kosher. Mean, listen, I'm okay with that. If, look, if two strapping gentlemen who are listening to this show want to. What a common call me around. I am more than happy for that to be like, give me a, yeah, six, four, seven, no. Um, um, but like, I just, and I also, I wanted to ask you before we move into like the really sexy stuff, like, because we, they don't learn about sex and disability. When you were coming up in nursing train, like when you were being trained, what did you learn about sex and disability? Did you learn anything? Was, wow. Nothing. Um, especially in my nursing school, which drove me insane. Um, it was very cut and dry. I mean, we didn't learn much. You learned the basics about different disabilities, um, but nothing in detail. And it wasn't until you actually worked the floor and encountered them that you would kind of, oh, let me do some more research on this. Um, let me see what issues might come with this. But there was nothing. And as far as conversations about sex with it, it was none. Um, I actually encountered an issue today. Um, so my new job, I'm working as a case manager on, um, in, like in the hospital. So what a case manager does, it's kind of like a social worker, um, but from the nursing perspective, you help a patient through their entire stay at the hospital, but mainly discharge planning. Yeah. Uh, you need a wheelchair when you go home. Do you need therapy? Do you need, you know, you help with that part. Do you need care? Do you need, yeah, yeah. yeah. I facilitate all of that. Um, and so we had a run-in not that with a patient, um, the patient wasn't my patient, so I don't know a lot about the disability, but we, they, the woman telling me the story, story, getting my advice, thinks that she either had ALS or MS. She's very debilitated, completely mentally intact, still able to um, vocalize, still converse, conversing, living with her husband of 20 years. Um, husband, full caretaker, great caretaker for her, um, but we had the physician come forward with a concern that the patient was being sexually abused. We were like, that's quite an accusation. Why are you saying yeah, that? Yeah, where's your evidence? Like, what? He said, well, you know, she she keeps coming in with these um, urinary tract infections with this very strange bacteria that's usually only caused by sexual intercourse. And we all just kind of sat there and looked at him. We're like, well, two things. One, her husband is the one who's cathing her. So that's possible that he's just not sterile enough with her, his technique. Okay. Um, and two, they've been married 20 years. She's completely intact. Why don't you just go ask her if they're still having sex and if she's okay with it? Yeah. And he was just like, well, I'm, I mean, I just didn't, I didn't know how to approach this. And I said, well, how would you approach it with me as your patient? He's like, well, I would escort the husband out of the room and ask you. I said, well, then go do that. Yeah, go do that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's. Sex and disability is just something that's not touched in medical school. It's not touched in nursing school. It's not touched for a lot of healthcare providers. And it drives me crazy. It's just so it's so troubling, and th that's why I asked you directly because I was like, I want I want audiences to hear that it isn't something that our frontline workers are 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 
getting info on. And so that's why everybody who's a nurse who's listening right now, download every episode of this show. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Definitely. But like, education here first. But like, it's just really upsetting that it's not more prevalent and there should be materials that that nurses can draw from. And so like, yeah, that's basically what that line of questioning was. And I wanted people to hear it from a professional who's in there every day realizing that they don't have info either. So like, come on, hospitals. Whatever mm-hmm. hospital Ryan works at, hire me. Hi, my name's Andrew. I will, Great, I'll, come on. Like, hey, <laughs> I'll do a seminar for you. Um, I want to move to the sexy stuff because you sent me, we went from, like, I want to move right from the medical stuff to some of the hilarious. You sent me some such funny bullet points. When I got them, I cackle out loud. So, <laughs> <laughs> good. So the first one that I need you to tell me the story about, you said in your thing, you were like, you were like, that time I dislocated my jaw and bit through my lip going down to my husband in the middle of a car, in the in the in a car in the middle of a bowling alley, <laughs> a parking lot. So please set the scene for me and tell that story <laughs> to the people listening. Okay. So um, my now husband and I met in the wonderful world of online dating. Actually, all my partners and I did. It says something about me and people. <laughs> as you do, as you do. As you do. Um, and so we lived in two different cities for a very long time, and we would commute to the one in the middle and meet up and go on date nights. And, you know, we both um, had moved back in with our parents um, for some reason or another. And um, so we didn't have, you know, anywhere to have fun. And <laughs> hotels are expensive. So we would, go, you know, we'd go out on a date and be like, okay, and... You know, I, I, I know that this parking lot's kind of dark. So <laughs> I think, I mean, I know that we had not been dating very long at all. I mean, it had to be maybe two or three, two or three weeks. Yeah, because I apparently had not thoroughly explained my disability and all of its All of its beautiful joys in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And so I am... Um, um, one thing to note about me as um, with all these physical disabilities, one thing I've always praised myself on is my ability to give a blowjob. Because if nothing else out here is going to work, that's got to that's gonna come together. That's what I say all the time. I cannot walk, but I sure as fuck can use my mouth. Like, I know how to do yeah. that. Exactly. Until this point, I hadn't had any issues with anything up there. So I was like, this is safe. I got this. And we're in a very small car. And so I was like, okay. I'm gonna show my skills off. <laughs> my husband is very well endowed. So I am. Congratulations. Going to, thank you. <laughs> I know how to pick. <laughs> so I am just going to town, having a good old time. And I suddenly you know, feel this horrible click sensation. I'm like, no, it's fine. It's fine. And then I can feel like, I mean, I have my lip curled over my teeth as one. You know, does you oh, keep the teeth okay, out of the Yeah, bowl. yeah, classy, yeah. a classy blowjob. The classy, the classy bro. Yeah. So doing this, and um, I, you know, he finishes. We all have a lovely time, and I sit up, and he he likes to tell the story because he can see me, and I have blood dripping down my mouth for one thing. Oh and I no! Yeah, like so blood dripping down my mouth, and I can't close my mouth. Oh. <laughs> I'm just gonna sit there like. Looking like a 
going on and get everything kind of clicked back into position. And I was, he's like, well, where is the blood from your joint? Like, what is happening? Is that from your jaw? And so we figure out that I've, you know, bit through my bottom lip, like almost all the way through. It oh, just kind no. of worn away. And so I, as I say, I, I live with my parents at this point. <laughs> yeah. And so I go home. And it's late, my parents are in bed the next day. I'm like icing my jaw and my mom's like, what's wrong? I was like, oh, I dislocated my jaw yesterday. Doing what? I was on a date. I told you you shouldn't talk so much. This is ridiculous, Ryan. I'm like, And you were like, mama, this is the one time where I wasn't talking. (laughs) (laughs) My mouth was, I was quiet. My mouth was full. Don't talk (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. So that was that was his uh, ta-da! Welcome into the EDS world. So what is his? It's okay. So like, because I my biggest fear, and I've said this on the show before, I have IBS. Yay! My biggest fear is that I'm gonna shit on my partner and then run away in like fear. So like, I can't imagine you pulling up from like, oh, that was a good blowjob. Like, think like, like, yeah, it was hot, and seeing like blood. Like I'm picturing. Like, Walking Dead, like, your jaw is... I'm so glad I couldn't see myself. Like, I don't... I didn't want to know what I looked like. Probably horrible. I can only imagine what, the, what like, he was thinking. Like, oh, dear. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, this what do I got to Like, what? And probably because his, his dick was probably covered in blood. I know. Oh, no. I'm glad it was short. I'm sure he got home and was just, like, in the shower, like, holy fuck. What am I doing? Strumming forever, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was fun. Um, that's... (laughs) I like how in your questionnaire you were like, EDS is a really sexualized disability, but oh, Lord have mercy, it is so not sexy. For example, (laughs) laid it out. So let's, let's like, get into the next one, because, oh, my goodness, so funny. Tell me about the time... You dislocated both hips while fucking your boyfriend, and then when they slipped out, I came down so hard we thought I broke his dick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. That was the most recent. That was fun. That was only probably a month ago-ish. That a was... month ago? Shit. <laughs> oh. Very recent. Yeah. So, my hips pop out all the time, like, in, during sex. That's... I'm so used to that, but usually it's just like one and it kind of like does, you know, it's sub, it's what's called subluxation. So the joint pops out and then slingshots right back in. It doesn't stay out. I don't have to like maneuver it. It's fine. Fine. So, (laughs) um, I was on top, but like he was kind of like up on his feet as well. So I was kind of straddling him, but up on my like toes, I guess we call it Lotus. I don't know actually what it's called. <laughs> I'm just picturing you, you riding him, like, yeah, like a dude I'm, would, would ride him. me, like that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm doing this, and I kind of like lean forward, and I felt one of my hips slip, and then the other one, and and I kind of like felt like this horrible shock of pain because one of my hips is much tighter than the other, and so yeah. it doesn't usually pop out my right one. Um, so it, when it did, I was just like, oh my god, and. I didn't want to stop, so I rode to completion. <laughs> rode to Again, completion. Di- so I've already decided what the title of this episode is. <laughs> oh, 
southern woman. I do not. I don't stop before the job is done. <laughs> it's it's funny. Um, so I do this, but I kind of, you know, that jolted me more than usual. And so I, when I came back down, I missed. Oh. So now he's writhing in pain on the bed. And I can't move because both of my hips are dislocated. And we think his dick's broken. Uh. <laughs> He's trying to take care of me and I'm trying to take care of him. And it was it was a whole thing. And his um, wife is downstairs in our living room. And so she's like, are you guys okay? And we're both just like, no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But the best part of that one, I'm not sure if I put it on there, is I had physical therapy the next morning. And um, my physical therapist is um, currently, or was then currently teaching me how to walk again. And so I get there and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be able to do a lot today. My hips are really sore. I dislocated both hips last night. She's like, oh, okay. What were you doing? Like, did you have another fall? And I was like, no, I, I was in bed. <laughs> now my physical therapist young woman so i was just like you know wink wink we're in a large gym area yeah, with yeah, yeah, yeah. stroke victims oh. like very close to me so i'm just like yeah no no i was in bed she's like immediately just goes into panic mode she's like you were in bed you all you were doing was laying there and both of your hips dislocated we're gonna have to talk to a surgeon you've gotten that loose this is ridiculous like she is freaking out she's about to send me to, to like emergency yeah. surgical consult and i'm just like no 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 she won't stop she's just freaking out and so i was finally like i was having sex <laughs> and I was like what? It's like in the movies when everyone just kind of goes silent and turns. I'm like, hey. Kind of scrambled. Yeah, that's me. Okay. Cool. Bye. Oh, yeah. It's so Bye. funny. Like, how do you. <laughs> oh. Okay. So, so sidebar question. Your your partner's dick. Um, was it black and blue the next uh, day? It was a little bruised, but it was fine. Because I, I, I bruised my dick a few, a few months ago with a partner just from like regular riding. And I had my attendants and I, they were so concerned. They were like, what happened to your dick? And I was like, because my attendants were not super open about sexuality, I had to be like, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, well, I totally knew what it was. It was, a, it was a dick bruise. So I had to be like, um, like, uh, uh, and so we had to like skirt around the issue for like weeks and weeks. And I knew what it was. And I knew it would be fine. And I was fine. But they were like, it so concerned what happened like is it the catheters and i was like no it's not the catheters oh. it's up high on my dick it's not the catheter it's it's a, it's a like i was fucking a dude is what it was, it was like, <laughs> leave it alone yeah but say it's fine it's fine so like i can only imagine like yeah. like luckily uh, luckily your partner doesn't have to deal with all that but it's fun times yeah He's so used to it now. He's just like, oh wait, they're always calling me. And is this normal? Like, oh god. So like, how how do they, how do your partners like? It sounds like you have a great team of of lovers and partners dealing with all this stuff. But how like how do you have conversations with your quad about like this is because it sounds like you're right now you're the only disabled one in the bunch. So is that stressful for you to be like the three other partners can do what they want and I'm the one that needs stuff? Yes, um, it is sometimes, mainly because I'm just like used to being a very independent person and I'm used, I don't like asking for help and it's gotten to the point now where there are lots 
things that I cannot do. And it's funny to me, like, I've gotten past the point of like, oh, what was me? Now it's kind of just like, I forget. <laughs> and I'll go be like, yeah, I can totally go hiking with you guys. Yeah, this is going to be fun. No, what the fuck? And so constantly, like, we're um, currently looking to move somewhere and um, for all four of us to actually live in the same place. Because right now, my husband is living in another town where he's working. So he's going to move in and join us. But our house is, like, we joke, the least accessible house in all of America. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah. So we're looking to move somewhere more accessible. And so we're constantly looking at houses and I'll be like, oh, I picked this one. It's like three stories. There's a spiral staircase to the only bathroom, like perched on a tree. <laughs> and they're like, Brian, what the fuck? <laughs> no. Ah, oh, that's right. Yeah, it's pretty, your, your idea is probably better. No, that's good. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm the disabled one. Oops, sorry. No, like, oh. oops. Oops. Okay, sorry. I suck. Yeah. Um, one of my best friends is a um, T6 complete paraplegic. And he was constantly making fun of me and he's like um the first day I got my like very first um handicap uh parking placard yeah I was like like still getting used to you know admitting and using it and so I went to his house and he was like oh did you park next to me in the handicap section I was like no I, just, I parked a few places away like it's fine I can walk he goes Ryan I could wheel across the goddamn United States if I want to but I can't, I shouldn't, yeah. and neither should you. Like, you need to be, you, he always is like, you need to get better at being disabled. I <laughs> like, mean, right? Let us help you. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, but I mean, I, I, think oh, it's, yeah. I think it's different for people who are, like, for people who are, who, because your disability is, is, a ze- is a zebra in that it's, like, so up and down. One day you're fine, one day your hip dislocates, one day you're fine, one day you're giving a blowjob to your partner and your jock comes off, like, it's little, mm-hmm. And I think it's it's stressful as fuck because like I know every day that I'm getting in a wheelchair and I'm a wheelchair user and that's it that's my day like I I got to figure it out I know that, that that's a that that's a constant in my day you don't know what that is so like when you when you look at these houses or these things you want to do with these partners your brain doesn't immediately think oh I'm disabled I have to give that up I think there's something kind of sweet about how our brains still kind of have a little bit of ableism in them where it's like, no, I want the fantasy for a minute. Let me have the, mm-hmm. the three-story staircase with only one bathroom because then in my able <laughs> brain, I can like run up there and it'll be really hot. Yeah, it'll be fine. It's totally good. Yeah, now that my, my hips have gotten to the point, because I'm so used to that like yo-yo effect. It's like, oh yeah, today I can't do it, but like tomorrow it's fine. But now that my, my hips are, they've told me, it's like, unless I have surgery and the surgery that they want to do doesn't really exist. Um, like, this is pretty, this is my new normal. Like, they're always like this. I cannot walk without looking, like, as I said, a pregnant duck. Pregnant <laughs> my limp is very ridiculous. And there, there's an audible click every time I step and it's gross. <laughs> I freak out people in the hospital. Like, a doctor stopped and, like, turned and looked at me the other day. Because he's just like, what is wrong with you? Oh, no. Fine, this is my hip. Um, so that is definitely something that to get used to. It's like, oh, there's not going to be a tomorrow. It's gonna like tomorrow. I can do this. After having that for, I got diagnosed when I was fifteen. So, so yeah, over ten years. For like twelve years now, trying to figure yeah. it out. And like, wow. I mean, and so what is your like? How does that 
change your um, perception of sexiness as a, as a woman? Like, how does that... And I don't want to speak to that because I'm not a woman. I'm a cis man. So I'm going to shut up and just let you teach me. Um, what does that mean for you in terms of, like, you're only 27 now, so you're doing that... You've been doing that since you were 15. How do you grow into your sexual identity as a youth being like, oh, my body's breaking down, like, breaking down? It's kind of been interesting and I, I didn't really realize it until I was actually answering your questionnaire that like I had been dealing with it my entire like sexual life if you will because like I I have always all of my sexual partners had to like warn them hey my hip will probably dislocate don't worry about it I might need your help to put it back in because I can vividly remember doing like say having to say that and warn the guy who so I hate the term took my virginity, but we're going to use it anyway. The first man I had sex with. <laughs> um, and so I, I've always kind of had to deal with a little bit of it, but not something that's so visible until recently. Um, and I do a lot of um, erotic photography and a lot of modeling. And so just this past year, I have, like, it's very easy to see the difference between the um, photographers who knew me pre-mobility aids uh, or I would hide my braces when I would go to shoots because I was a little bit of ashamed of them. Yeah. Just, you know, totally the all over there. But I mean, of so, course, of course, God, because like so you're doing boudoir photos. So braces yeah, they're are supposed not, to like, be sexy. If these manufacturers would make, here's what, here's what pissed me off. These manufacturers <laughs> have, so with you with this. like have the ability to make these things sexy and like, why can't I have an amputee leg or a prosthetic leg that is like, this is my fuck leg. When I fuck somebody, I want to wear this leg. <laughs> when I, you know, when I'm in my wheelchair and I want to be hot with somebody, I want my wheelchair to look like this. So I want to put these rims on it, like something like that. Something. They can do this. It's so simple. Why don't they do it for oh, us yeah. when we want to get laid? It's ridiculous. Instead, I have to walk around with these horrible, like, ridiculously medicinal looking knee braces and um, my finger braces are the only pretty things I have. Like the rest of them are horrible. Are they neck on, braces. Are they, are don't they get on you right now? Neck braces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. They look like, I thought they were rings. Yeah. They didn't even mm-hmm. look, that's awesome. Yeah, they're my ring splints. Like my fingers from dislocating. I didn't know that. No, but they're the only ones I found. <laughs> And, and these pro- are not made by medical people. <laughs> no, it's made by some jeweler who is like, okay, I made a cool thing. Mm-hmm. It's made by a girl with EDS. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, well, there you go. Girl with EDS, whatever your product is, let me know, and I'll do an ad for you on my show because, yes, I yes. So <laughs> contact Ryan or Ryan will contact you, and I will put it on my show and in an ad because this shit's important and people need to hear about this. Zebra splints. Zebra splints on Instagram. Zebra splints, all one word. Yeah, I'm gonna find me zebra splints. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna slide into your Instagram, your Insta DMs, and be like, hey, here's what I do. Want me to do an ad for you? Like, it's important. So awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you also mentioned that you are, which I love. You were like, I'm. Not only do I walk like a pregnant duck, but I'm hot and I have robotic <laughs> arms. <laughs> and then under this this questionnaire, literally. I have never laughed at a questionnaire, <laughs> but I was reading this last night when you sent this to me, falling apart, being like, I want to talk to this person right away, because this is my favorite. <laughs> like, usually when I book a guest, I'll wait, like, I'll wait a couple weeks, we'll figure out a date, I was like, 
as soon as possible. <laughs> I want to talk to this person because it's so good. Um, but you said in your thing, you were like, I'm, what did you say? I have to read it now. You were like, I'm a, I'm a dom, you're a dom top and you're like BDSM in the kink scene. So, mm -hmm. and, and so you're worried about dom, hang on. No, I read it wrong. You're worried about dom tops constantly being afraid of breaking you. What's that like in like a, and I don't, I, I'm kinkster in like the theoretical term. I don't really do, I'm, my actual sex is pretty vanilla just because of disability and like the realities of that for me. So I don't not I don't go to dungeons and do a lot of stuff in my mind. I'm like I would love that shit, but it's not a reality. Um, so how what does that look like for you when a dom is like I want to do this to you, but your your hip might go. Like, are they scared of ruining of stopping a scene, being like, oh no, Ryan's hip's gonna fall apart? I am lucky because my um, I have a long term dom um, who is also my other boyfriend. So we've been together for four or five years, um, and he knows all about my disability. But as most kink, or not most, a lot of kink relationships start, we met on the internet on good old Fet Life. Um, hey, so we never read and talk. Not sponsored. Hey, 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 hey. Um, but he, we hadn't physically met for probably two years. We were just talking on the internet, texting every day doing kind of silly dom sub things via text. Yeah. Um, so when we finally met, it was kind of like a, like, oh God, I'm going to, like, I don't want to break you. And like constantly he would, he was checking in, like, are you okay? And that would kind of break my like subspace scene for me. And finally we had to be like, all right, look, you're not going to break me. Let me tell you how far you can push me. You can hit me as hard as you want. That's not gonna break anything. If you the bondage is kind of iffy for me, yeah. that I can't do a lot of. I can do some things. Here's specifically how you can bind me. Here's how you can't. A lot of um, ball gags are way too big for my mouth and my jaw dislocates. So I can't. Yeah, it's oh, it's so annoying to try to find one that fits. I mean, you have to, but like, again, kinksters like like come kinksters get into the business. <laughs> oh, the, like right. Help a girl out. She wants to choke on a ball gag. Let her do it with a bag mm -hmm. that won't dislocate her jaw. Also, like, I think, too, like, we talk about fetishism a lot in the disability community, and I think this is a great way to, like, why don't we do a scene that is incorporating your EDS? Why can't the EDS be a sexy, and I know we don't, we don't see it as sexy, but why can't it be, like, a sexy thing where, like, oh, Ryan's hip dislocated. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure... She's all right, and then keep going. Like, why can't it be yeah. part of, like, the play? Obviously, with, your, with like, consent and your safety, and we want to make sure okay. you're good first, obviously. But, like, I think sure. people are, so, sure. like, so afraid to play with that. Whereas you're like, oh, fuck, my hip dislocated. Yeah, I still want to, like, I love how your, your view is like, oh, my hip dislocated, my jaw dislocated. Don't care, I'm going to finish this off. Like, <laughs> keep going, keep yeah. going. So, like... I really feel I'm very like, healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the BDSM space is the space where that can be explored. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you could be a pioneer in that. I don't know. For sure. Um, I love, I personally like the kink, like the whole kink culture has all kind of always drawn me in because there's so much more communication between your partners. And it, you know, most people who are in that scene know that from the beginning yeah. that, Hey, 
what are what are your um, hard limits? You know, how far can we push this? What are you okay with? What are you not okay with? And it's just not something that you see in a lot of vanilla play spaces. And the same can be said for, I mean, sex with anybody with a disability. Um, for I, I talked about my friend who's a paraplegic. Um, he and I dated before we realized that, hey, we're going to be friends. Um, and so when we would, like, when we, we were like, okay, obviously this is going to go somewhere sexual, there was kind of like a, all right, how do we do this? What's good for you? What's good for me? Yeah. Because obviously not everybody's body is going to respond to the same touches. Not everybody's body is going to respond to the same, you know, erogenous zones. Why is that such like a different concept for someone who's disabled versus an able-bodied person? Yeah, totally. Like no two able-bodied people are going to have the same erogenous zones. Why should, you know, you and I everybody's bodies wired differently totally it's just so it's just so upsetting that we're still it's 2019 now and people are like you're disabled and you have sex like how is this a question we're still asking i don't i don't i've asked this on the show a trillion times and i never understand and i hear the same stories from guests all the time of what you just said like we are disabled and we our bodies are different and so that's totally fine yeah, just, you know, if you have a question, ask, like you would any other human being. Yeah. And then the disabled person has the right to decide, do I want to answer you right now? Yes or no. Mm-hmm. And if I say yes, you better, you better fucking bow down because I'm telling you something mm. like, you're not going to get this tea anywhere else. I am telling you right now. Hell no. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, shit. Exactly. Um, <laughs> this was one of my most favorite talks ever. It was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. So fun. Um, this is great. Where do, so I want to let people know how to get a hold of you because I feel mm-hmm. like anyone who's in nursing school, anyone who wants to talk about medi- like medical stuff and disability stuff and related to sex or just EDS should totally mm-hmm. get a hold of you. And I want everybody who's listening with EDS. I know there are a bunch of you out there who are listening with EDS because I've talked to half of you. So hit up Ryan. Where? How? Um, uh, Instagram is my most reliable form of communication. Um, I am chronically underscore rye, just R-Y, um, on Instagram. You can find me there. Um, I also am on Twitter. I'm not very good at Twitter. Just a heads up to everybody. Um, I'm on Twitter at, um, it's at girl Ryan two, cause I was girl Ryan originally. And I don't know how to get back in that, that old Twitter account. So make sure there's a Number two at the end of Girl Ryan. Um, Ryan is spelled R-Y-A-N-N, two N's. Um, and then for those of you who like it a little bit on the sexier side, my other Twitter is at Dildos and Pearls. <laughs> it used to be Tumblr. It was my love. It's oh, all my erotic photography. Goodbye, Tumblr. We so, love you. Fucking So now Why, why, why? Um... Three. But I'll make sure that all that's in the, the I'll make sure that all that's in the show notes because this was so fun. And anybody, anybody who is who is getting this early on the Patreon, thank you for donating one dollar a month yeah. to the show. You are watching Ryan and I have this conversation. Uh, <laughs> and so, if you want to donate to this and see conversations like this and get early episodes and bonus shows and all that stuff, you know I'll put it at the end, but I'll put it here now too. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/CribbleContent. Ryan. It was, this was, I had the most fun. Like, I could talk to you for another two hours about all the things. This is great. And thank you so much for taking the time today. 
Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Anytime. And I, I want to have you back. I want to have, I'd love to have, you know what? We should talk because I want to have you and your partners back kind of together and uh, <gasps> do a whole, like. They would love that. It would be, because I saw your boyfriend. Hot shit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my husband looks like tall Jesus, so it's like. I mean, my, my southern, my southern are tingling in so many ways. But this is oh, great. Yeah. This is great. You're great. And I, I loved our time. And thank you so much again. Absolutely. Thank you. There's a reason I called this episode and then I heard a click because that whole imagery of Ryan trying to give her husband a blowjob in the parking lot in the car where her, he, where her, her jaw unhinges from itself is both hilarious and terrifying and so much of just how disabled sex goes sometimes when your body just decides it doesn't want to work for you. I love it so much and I loved this interview with Ryan so, so much. It was just a really fun interview. She is so fun. She's so somebody worth talking to. Um, I highly recommend that if you're going into nursing school or looking to become a nurse and you have disabilities, you reach out to Ryan because she's great and she can give you some pointers of being disabled and trying to, to work in the healthcare field. Um, other than that, I think her being poly and having EDS is awesome too and it was a really fun chat about that. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Also, the Disabled People Are Hot shirts are being printed out. My friend Dick Wound, who runs the off the cuffs and being there podcasts has agreed to host the store in his podcast store when the shirts are ready. Um, I am so excited for that. So if you want to get a shirt, I will be sending out where you can purchase them. And that's awesome. Um, that's all the details I have right now, but I promise they're coming. The logo looks amazing. I'm revamping my whole website to have it look like that. Um, it's going to be really, really cool, and I'm excited for you to jump on the bandwagon there. But uh, that's been this episode. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week. Bye. Disabled people are hot. Bye. All right, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash cripple content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment, you help me make a living doing this thing, you help support content made but made by and for people with disabilities, so I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. 
Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time, right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Triple Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2019